Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So today I'm going I'm to exercise and flex some hermeneutical muscles. Is that okay? Is this a really fancy word for like biblical interpretation? I want to get go a little bit deeper today and do some flat out teaching. Is that okay? We're going to go Bible today. Unashamedly, we're going to pull out some things uh, that are, I think, some some deep revelation today. But I want to make it like really as easy and accessible as I possibly can. But to set it up, I want to lay some basic theological foundations. We don't have time to deep dive them all. But this sermon won't make sense unless we get on the same page with some of these fundamental foundational theologies. Is that okay? I'm really excited about preaching this. You guys have got to get it expecting, okay? Firstly, you've got to understand that Jesus introduces himself and describes himself in Scripture in many different ways. The Bible uses metaphors, word pictures, essentially as descriptors to reveal Christ in Scripture to us. The Bible clearly records, you, you probably would have heard some of these descriptors before, Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as Master, King of Kings, Messiah, Redeemer, sound familiar? Teacher, Rabbi, Chief Cornerstone, the Living Word, Son of God, the Way, the Truth, the Life, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, the Alpha and the Omega, the Author and Finisher of our faith, the Christ, the Anointed One, etc., etc. These are theological descriptors to reveal or explain to us who Jesus is to us. Making sense to you guys. There are also other descriptors that liken Jesus to things in nature. You would have heard of some of these. Jesus is known as the vine. You've seen that in the Gospels? Jesus is known as the lion, the lamb, the bread of life, the fountain or spring of living water, the bright morning star. This is the one that I like, the rock. He's known as the rock. Not like Dwayne Johnson, the actor, the rock, right? but like the rock of our salvation, right? And so for me personally, it's really important that I journey with Jesus in my whole Christian discipleship in relating to Him and getting a revelation of who He is in the full gamut of how Scripture reveals Christ to us. And I'm gonna spend the rest of my life doing that. You should too, amen? In just navigating and understanding who Jesus is, the depth of who He is. Because if I only have a limited revelation of who He is, I will have a limited framework to how I live out my Christian life. Make sense to you? I would literally cheat myself of the full experience of Christ in me. Let me give you an example. If all I do is relate to Jesus as the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb of God, right? If all I do is relate to Jesus as the Lamb, but never the Lion, what was going to happen to me is that I will live my Christian life saved like the, lion, the Lamb has died for me, but I will never live my life victorious like the Lion roars for me. Make sense to you? So I'll have a limited experience of the full um, revelation of Christ in Scripture. Let me give you another example. If all I do is relate to Jesus as my Savior, but never as my Lord, then all I will do is treat Jesus like an emergency hotline. Whenever things are going wrong, I'll call him. Like in Australia, it's triple O. If you're watching online, if you're in America, it's 911. Whatever country you're in, there is some emergency hotline number. And you will treat Jesus as that very thing that is limited to the revelation of which you know him as. So if all that you have is Jesus as Savior, all you're going to relate to him as, as, as like this person that is an emergency service worker for you. But if you relate to him also as Lord... You don't just call on Jesus when He needs you. You allow Him to call on you when He needs you. Come on. And your answer is, yes, Lord, what do you need? Come on, are you out there? Don't go quiet on me, 11 a.m. Come on. So these descriptors are really important for us to understand who Jesus is and how we ought to live 
our Christian life. The Bible also has some functional descriptors. These describe what he does because of who he is. So these functional descriptors describe what he does because of who he is. Most importantly, you need to understand these functional descriptors are also descriptors that invite us to involve ourselves in and to be like him. So we ought to aspire to be like these descriptors that describe Jesus to us. These descriptors explain what he does because of who he is. Let's just read one important functional descriptor here in John chapter 10, verse 11. So Jesus announces himself like this. I am the good shepherd. Who he is, right? Follow me so far? That's his descriptor. I am the good shepherd. He's describing himself to people. Now he explains what he does. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand or a, an employee will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Verse 13, the hired hand or the employee runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. How many of you can say amen to that? I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They are not in the sheepfold. How many of you are so glad that Jesus is just as concerned as people that are not in the house as he is the people that are in the house? I must bring them or bring them in also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. That's Christ's desire. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so that I might take it back again. And this is really important theologically for you. Verse 18, underline it in your paper Bible or just highlight it and snapshot it in your screenshot. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Say voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down and when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise for that incredible descriptor of who He is? Today I want to speak to you on the thought, shepherds, servants, and priests. Shepherds, servants, and priests. We're going to go deep in a scripture today, and I'm going to pull out some things that are going to just be uh, something that I just really help, I pray that will help you grow your biblical understanding of Jesus and therefore who you are and ought to be in Him. Like I said before, Jesus has many descriptions in the Bible. These descriptors all reveal who Christ is, but there are two types of these descriptors. The first ones are the ones that don't require us to emulate them. So we honor Him for being them, but we're not required or called to be them. How many of you know? You're not called to be the vine or the Messiah or the rock or the Alpha and the Omega, right? They're descriptors of Jesus and we honour and worship Him for those descriptors that is revealed in Scripture to us. But the second type of descriptors are the ones that require us to be like Him. And so I want to unpack three of these second type of descriptors today that are interlinked, that cut to the very heart of our identity in Christ and therefore has very profound implications of how we ought to be as a believer. And like we read in John chapter 10, the first of this second type of descriptor is Jesus as shepherd. Jesus as shepherd. You need to know that in the natural, Jesus was not a shepherd. He was a carpenter. So clearly he was not introducing himself like the way you would introduce yourself on LinkedIn or like you would put on your profile description on, on social media, what you are. You, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Like it's, it's just not, not how it's done, right? Uh, it's, it's not like Ry Coleman, podiatrist. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus was saying, I am the good shepherd, not as a description of his profession, but his identity. 
His identity then goes on to explain what he does. He said, because I am the good shepherd. Now, the early Jewish hearers would have immediately understood that this guy was a carpenter, but he's not describing his profession. He's describing his identity. So now they understood immediately. It painted a picture for them. It's the Jewish way of teaching. It is inviting you into the narrative. It's inviting you into an understanding of the picture, right? So immediately when he says, I'm the good shepherd, immediately the, the early hearers would have had a picture of what it was. Ah, a shepherd was the one that always thinks of the greater good for the sheep. The shepherd is the one that even without thinking would put his body in between a charging bear and a lamb. Make sense to you? A shepherd is the one that would protect and would always think of, of, of are, are, the shepherd, are, are the sheep being fed and nourished? Are they living their best life? Shepherds understood that they were central to Jewish community and Jewish society. They kept a lot of the economy going. They kept a lot of the well-being. Shepherds were part, an intrinsic part. It was a very respected part of the role that they played within Jewish society. But here's the thing. Jewish shepherds willingly and voluntarily lay their lives down in the service of the sheep. In fact, Jesus goes on to say that if I was just an employee, I would just clock in, take my casual rate per hour for what an employee does, and then like, I, would, I would just move sheep from one pen to the other or one pastor to the other and then clock off. And then when the wolf comes or when times get really tough, I really bail. But a shepherd is not like that. He says shepherds would willingly, voluntarily lay their lives down in service of and the greater good of others. And in John chapter 10, his disciples would have all been there listening and understanding, getting a picture. They would have been so grateful. Jesus, what a beautiful, wonderful descriptor of yourself. Now they would have remembered the psalmist writing Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. Awesome. You press fast forward to John chapter 21, 11 chapters later, Jesus has a conversation with, the, with Peter, one of his disciples who would have been there in John chapter 10 when he had that conversation about being the good shepherd. And what's happening here in John chapter 21 is that Peter had now denied Jesus three times. And he's now completely despondent. He's gone back to fishing. Jesus, now the risen Savior, meets him at the very shores of Galilee and has this conversation with him. In John 21, verse 15, so say, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, then Jesus, said to him, Peter, feed my lambs. What? He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him yet a third time, feed my sheep. A carpenter is talking to a fisherman about shepherding. Clearly, Jesus wasn't offering him a change in profession. Jesus was offering him an identity. It was an invitation. In John chapter 10, he's already described his identity as the good shepherd. Now in John 21, he's saying, Peter, you know how I talked to you about how I was the good shepherd? Now I'm inviting you to become as I am. A shepherd, one who willingly lays his life down in service of others. <coughs> Peter then goes from John chapter 21 to become the founder of the early church. He lays his own life down, crucified upside down in service of others. You need to understand that Jesus isn't just the shepherd. We're invited to a life of shepherdhood, 
of shepherding. Come on, any resounding amen. See, see, when you have that understanding of who you are, what you do now makes sense. You don't do it out of obligation. You do it out of voluntary devotion. A shepherd who understands its role as a shepherd is not to clock on hourly rate like a hireling or a hired hand or an employee just to move sheep from one part to the other and then clock off and then bail when the wolf comes. The shepherd understands he's an intrinsic part of Jewish community. He does it out of voluntary devotion, not out of duty or out of obligation. And the way that Jesus always teaches it is always transformative. He's saying, this is who I am. Now I'm inviting you to be like me, to do as I am. In other words, when you are as I am, then you will do as I do. My question for you today is, are you ready to step out of your calling as sheep and into your calling as shepherd? The second descriptor, which is not often preached about, is Jesus as servant. We see this in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5, it says, Paul writes, in your relationships with one another. I always get nervous when Paul uses the expression one another because it actually means that I've got I've I've to navigate myself with people. But in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How many of you know Jesus has a mindset? He's set his mind on some ways of thinking. Have the same mindset, the way of thinking as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Pause for effect and drink. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Wow, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. This is really what Jesus is saying. Uh, Paul is saying about Jesus. I'm describing Jesus or revealing him to you in this epistle as servant, who being equal to God, equal in the Godhead, did not consider that as an advantage for his own gain, but he chose to make himself a servant to all. So the invitation to us now is that though we are co-heirs with Christ, we don't consider that or use that to our advantage, but we willingly, voluntarily choose to lay our lives down in service of others. It's an invitation to come back to this descriptor of Jesus as servant. Now it makes sense, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus is described as a servant, but he also invites us to servanthood. Now, John chapter 12, 26 makes sense. If anyone serves me, hold on, Jesus. You just said that you're a servant of me. Are you asking me to serve you? Yes. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. What a powerful descriptor. When you understand that your identity is as Christ's identity is, even though he was co-equal with God, did not consider that something to be used to his own advantage. You are now co-heir with Christ. Don't consider that as, don't, come on, are you out there? Don't consider that as something to be used to your own advantage, but willingly lay your own life down, taking the very nature of a servant in service of others. Wow. Amazing. We like to treat Jesus as our servant, but we don't always like Jesus to treat us as his servant. We like him to be at our beck and call. That's why we pray a lot, isn't it? Like we ask him to do things for us. But we don't really like it that in in prayer, he speaks to us about how we can, come on, how we can serve him. 
We're about serving Jesus and His church. That's one of our culture statements. We lead and serve selflessly, give generously, and desire excellence. It's not just a statement in, as one of our eight cultures. It is it's us trying to disciple you to become who Jesus died and rose again for you to become. It's for you to have an identity that is real and living on the inside of you because as you have this identity of this descriptor of Christ being the servant and so will you, so will your life follow. And the third descriptor, which is not often preached about, is Jesus as priest. Can I go a little deeper with you? Now, we're going to really go Bible today. Is that okay? You still with me? So Jesus as priest. When we conjure up the word, when we talk about the word priest, it conjures up all kinds of pictures for us in the modern 21st century church. Maybe like a really religious guy, usually older, wearing a little collar with a little white thing on it. Right? That's what we think. He, he, and he, like, he, like, he works in like a place with stained glass windows, a cathedral of sorts. That's not what this is about. That's not the biblical picture of it, right? Hebrews 4 verse 14 tells us, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, comma, Jesus, Son of God, comma. In other words, this is the descriptor of Jesus, the great high priest. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest or Jesus who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but it was an all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some of you are going, what has this got to do with anything? Everything. Let me go deep with you. So here is Jesus. The Bible describes him, the writer of Hebrews describes him as a high priest or a great high priest. But Jesus revealing himself to us as that is not all that there is. He also invites us to the priesthood. Some of you going, what? It's not what you think. It's an identity. It's a spiritual identity. Now 1 Peter 2 verse 9 actually makes sense if you actually read with me. It says this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Some of you all don't know that these are your identities. Hello. Right? You call yourself useless, not very good at this, loser, failure, not successful. That's not your descriptor. This is chosen generation, a royal priesthood, in particular that royal priesthood, an invitation to become as Jesus is, immediately the early hearers understood what this was. Priests, what was a, a descriptor that was not just uh, the person who was deemed to, to chosen to work in a temple. What priests would do was that they would be diligent in facilitating worship and the presence of God in the house of God. And what they would do every day, there would be set things that they would do. They would be really meticulous in setting out the different incense and the tables that needed to be put out in a specific order, the candles that needed to be lit in a specific order. And they would apportion out certain, certain apparatuses and there would be certain order of things and offerings had to be accounted for and all the different uh, ways of facilitating worship, preparing the sacrifice, they, they would do it with great excellence, not because they were there on duty, they were there fully understanding that they facilitated the experience of God, of every worshiper. Now, the great high priest has come who stands between the worshippers and the throne room and he says, now you can come boldly to the throne of grace because I'm the great high priest, right? Jesus has done away with the ritual of priesthood, but he has not done away with the heart of priesthood. He still invites you 
to have a desire that every single person you know has no barrier. You were lifting the barriers between their worship experience and the God. Come on, are you out there? And so we're, how is he teaching us to think? He's te- teaching us to think like royal priesthoods, priests. Are you okay coming through the front doors? You're new. Can I show you to your seat? Is there a barrier that's, that's going to come between you and, and encountering God? Can I look after your additional needs child for you so you can experience? Come on, I need somebody that understands priesthood. Can I remove some of these barriers for you? Because my heart is to, is to occupy the space of not just shepherd, not just servant, but also priest. It was a holy thing. It wasn't done out of duty or obligation. It was done out of voluntary devotion. It was a lifelong privilege for priests to live as they did and serve the way that they served. In modern vernacular, you need to understand that God, even though He's done away with the ritual of priesthood, He's not done away with the heart of priesthood. God has done through Jesus Christ has done away with a physical need for circumcision, but He still requires circumcision on the heart. It's in Scripture. We're doing or cutting away that old life, cutting away, that makes sense to you, the, the old dirty parts of us. The same thing with priesthood. You need to understand that even though the ritual of priesthood is gone, the heart of priesthood has to remain within the house. We are not consumers. We are not takers. We are not ticket holders that pay for a show. We are royal priesthood. We facilitate the encounter of God in the house of God. Some of you here are probably thinking, oh man, I rarely hear of Jesus being servant, being shepherd, being priest. Most of the sermons I hear are about Jesus being saviour and being my rock and being my redeemer and the one who calms the storm. Of course, but none of those things require us to do anything. That's why we love it. These descriptors, the second category of descriptors, we don't really like to talk about because it invites us to actually be like Him in order for us to live like Him. Right? I genuinely believe that. See, the, the thing about serving, this is not about a recruitment drive. You know, I, I'm discipling you to have the right identity. What you do with that right identity is between you and God outside of this service. My job is just to disciple you, for you to realize who you are. And my prayer is that as you realize who you are, you will live as you should. Shepherds don't go, oh man, is it part of my job to stand between the bear that's charging at the flock? I don't know. It's probably beyond my pay grade. See you later. That's a hireling, Jesus said. Shepherds don't even think twice. Throws himself, whacks him with a club. Make sense here. There is something about us that understand that we do because of who we are. We were never meant to just live, live saved, waiting around till we die and go to heaven. What a sad existence. Jesus died and rose again for you to be so much more. His death and resurrection calls you to a life of shepherding like He was. If you love me, tend to my sheep. That whole same conversation that Jesus was having with Peter in John 21, He's still having with you. He invites you not to count your status as co-heir with Him, as anything to be used to your advantage, but to see yourself as a servant of all. That's a fulfilling life. He invites you to a life of diligent priesthood where you're constantly thinking, I'm here to help somebody else facilitate. I'm here to facilitate someone else's encounter from serving Him. You know, if you're here and maybe you're burnt out from serving Him, maybe you came from another church and serving felt religious and obligatory for you, can I suggest to you that the grace was never there for you to serve Him because you were doing it out of obligation and duty, not out of identity. Grace only comes whenever identity is realized. You know that, don't you? Yeah? At the baptism, this is my son, my beloved son, anointing comes before he even did a single thing. You're following me so far? 
See, when, when your heart is opened up to the right identity, who you truly are in Christ, a grace comes for you now to do and be and live as you're anointed to be because of who you are. You're anointed to do because of you're anointed to be. Come on. So revelation of these descriptors leads to voluntary devotion, but the lack of revelation always leads to duty and obligation. And when people don't serve, it's not because they're lazy, it's because they lack revelation. They lack, they, they, they don't know who they are. See, a lot of ser- serving sermons, I guess it's okay, but it's centered around using your gifts. And that's 100% biblically correct, where you need to use your gifts, your talents God has given you, don't bury your talents. All of those things are 100% theodo- theologically sound, nothing wrong with that. However, I want to give you a foundational theology today that, that disciples you into an identity of who you are. I want to awaken you to who you truly are. Because this is far more important. It's the top button of the entire conversation. You get that right, the other buttons will follow. Let me give you an example. Most of you here would know that I have two boys. If you don't, I have two boys. I have an 18-year-old and I have a 16-year-old, right? And I remember the day both my boys were born. 6th of August, 2004. There was a screaming five-pounder that came out of my wife and lobbed into my arms. We called him Jensen. And then two years later, 4th of September, 2006, there was a, a, a screaming, I don't know, six-pounder, seven-pounder, eight-pounder. Eight wow. I clearly didn't give birth to him. So those numbers really don't mean much. But he landed in my arms, and we called him Isaiah. Now, from that moment on, there was no shadow of a doubt what happened in my heart and in my head. I realized I'm a dad. It, 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 it was like it dawned on me that I was a dad. And, and from that first day they were born, I held them in my arms. And to this day where I've got to stand on my tiptoes to give them a hug. I am their dad. And Christy and I have always done our best to co-parent our kids, both equally invested in care tasks and raising and disciplining and loving and providing for our kids. Now, I'm far from a perfect dad, but I can say this. I have showed up every single day to be their dad, not because I've got a certain set of skills that were, uh, that were conducive to fathering. I showed up every day to be their dad because I was their dad. Makes sense to you. I didn't like wake up one day at 29 years old and think to myself, oh gee, I can cook a little bit. I can cook all right. I can kick the footy all right. And I think I can pick up Lego all right. And I can wipe bums okay. I think I wipe my own bum. So, you know, how hard could it be? Like I've got a certain set of skills. So now I need to feel useful. So I might, I might just go find like a, a, a kid or two to have so that I can feel used. My gifts and my talents simply facilitate my identity of being a dad. Makes sense to you. I showed up every day to serve my family, my kids as their father, and thank God I have some abilities that help me to do that. I can cook some food and I can clean and help Chrissy and all those sort of things. My abilities simply facilitated my service to them of who I am. I'm their dad. I'm going to serve my kids. I learn along the way, develop my gifts along the way, get better, right? And just like 18 years of fathering, I've also done 22 years of husbanding. Oh, uh, yeah. 22 years ago, I said the most dangerous words any man could ever say, and I went a little bit like this, and I quote myself. I, Ken Lee, take you, Chrissy Lee, as my wife, to have Chrissy Brasher as my wife, to have and to hold and to be corrected from the stage, for better or worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. You're online, a wedding yourself laughing, I know that. 
forsaking all others and be married to you as your husband for as long as we both shall live. Now, I'm far from the perfect husband, okay? But I show up every day as a husband, like fathering things, I do husbanding things. Like, like, here's my list. I bring, I make coffee for her and bring it to her bedside. Like I literally press the Nespresso button. And I just bring it to her. And after I bring her coffee in bed, I also take her out for more coffee to buy her, like proper barista-made coffee. I cook her meals. I use my limited listening skills to listen to all her stuff. I just listen, I just listen. I clean her car for her. I hold her hand when we're together. I hug her when she needs it. I check in on her throughout the day. Husbanding things. I do them not because I want to be used and think, oh, I mean, I've got a special set of skills. No, I do it because I made a vow to her. I understand who I am. I am her husband. Thank God I've acquired some skills along the way to, in a very limited kind of way, I use my limited husbanding skills to husband her. What am I saying? I'm saying if your motivation to serve Jesus is purely on the basis of wanting to use your gifts, it's a limited motivation that will fizzle out or that motivation will lead you to have wrong motives. What happens when you serving Jesus is a gift-centric or talent-centric thing? You'll always look for opportunities to use your gifts rather than look for people you're meant to serve because of who you are. I am shepherd, servant, priest. Come on, are you out there? So this is how, this is how ridiculous it is, right? If, say, for example, I think about fathering as just something that I do to use my gifts. Okay? At any point in time along the journey, I could have said, I didn't, but I could have said, well, my family doesn't appreciate my cooking anymore. I've got good skills in that, but they don't, they don't say thank you very much anymore. And, you know, like, you know, you know they, 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 they're taking my, my help around the house for granted. And, you know, all those, those times where I kick the footy with my kids and drive them to training and drive them to therapy. You know, I'm not really, I, I, I need to go find another family where I'm more appreciated for my gifts. See how ridiculous that is? We would never say that to our families. We say that at church. Or we see the family grow. And we love the time where, you know, we felt really useful when we play with our toddlers and they depended on us for everything, right? And like we would play Lego with them, interact with them a certain way. And then over time, they change. They grow up and they need us less. They grow up. Family's growing. They find spouses, have their own families. Imagine if it was just a gift-centric, being feeling useful thing. You ditch that family and find another small family again where you can feel useful. See how stupid we can be? It's not biblical. I understand why we do it, but it's not in the Bible. Do you understand that? Families are meant to grow and you, you don't do it for the sake of your gifts or to feel useful because if you want to feel useful, you're going to complain one day that the church is using me. But you do it because of who you are. You are priest and servant and shepherd. That's who you are. What you do flows from the anointing that's on your life because you've responded to the invitation to be and live as the descriptors that Jesus has called himself. When you have a revelation of who you are, it doesn't matter what you do. You do because of who you are. Now we can read the rest of scripture and it all makes sense. Mark chapter 9 verse 41. Now it makes sense what Jesus says for whoever. Say whoever. In other words, we don't care whether it's Pastor Ken, whether it's Louisa, whether it's Beck, whether it's Adrian, whether it's Erica, it doesn't matter. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, whether it's a small child from Kids Church, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. What? 
Who has the gift of serving water? Who even wants that gift? Well, Jesus doesn't care necessarily. Your gifts are just facilitating who you are as shepherd and servant and priest, right? Right? You may find yourself doing things like serving water or see, see there's an understanding in your heart. If you have to serve water, serve water. You gotta serve coffee, serve coffee. If you have to usher people to their seats, do it. If you gotta help someone that's new, wandering around, not knowing where the kids check in is, help, serve. You gotta, you gotta park people in their base, do it. You gotta lead children to encounter Jesus, do it. You gotta sing on the stage. So there's no, you're, you're constantly removing barriers. How can I facilitate so you can come boldly to the throne of grace? I wanna do as you do, Jesus. If serving is beneath you, being Christ-like is beyond you. We all wanna be like Jesus. Well, he's inviting you to embrace the descriptors of servant and priest and shepherd. Oh, so I need a resounding amen from somebody today. Every day I wake up, I understand who I am. There's without a shadow of a doubt that I am father. Trust me, my six foot two, six foot three boys remind me of it. They barge into my room asking me for stuff. I'm their dad, right? I'm a husband. I'm also a shepherd, priest, and servant. That's why I show up here. I labor over the word. I do what I, makes sense to you. It's not a duty or obligation. It's who I am. And if, if God has called me into to occupying these identities, these descriptors, he'll anoint me to do whatever it is I need to anoint. David was anointed to be shepherd. That's why he could kill the lion. He could kill the bear. And if he could kill the lion, kill the bear, he could take down the giant. Come on. Because it was the same five smooth stones that he used. Whatever limited ability, come on, it was just smooth stones and a little sling. He didn't need the soul's armor. He didn't need the fancy shield. He didn't need someone else's gifts and talents. He just understood. If I could be a shepherd that put my life between the bear and the, and the sheep, I can put my life between a giant and my army. There's an understanding that my life is laid down voluntarily. No one's asking me to do it. Jesus said, I can pick it up again, but I lay it down in the service of others, because I know who I am. John chapter 10 and John chapter 21. Peter, come here. Come here, fisherman. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Tend to my sheep. Not a change in profession, heart of a shepherd. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.